We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me as always, Jack Manuel. And Jack, we are talking about a Nets win, 130-96 over the Utah Jazz. No Kevin Durant, but the Nets got it done. Jack, how are we feeling? Nets world. Nets world. It was a dominant win. This is probably my favorite win of the season because it was without Kevin Durant, and obviously they started super hot. We're going to jump into that. But as always, you can find us on all streaming platforms, including otgbasketball.com, netsrepublic.com, and Blue Wire Pods. But Jack, I guess let's start right with the first quarter. Yeah, I mean, Nick, we could start even before that. With, we could start with literally the starting five. The yeah. most surprising news probably of the day. We heard and it's just like, all right, who's going to be starting now with KD's absence? Is it Torian Prince? Is it going to be Bruce Brown, the Nets Twitter's favorite? And what we got was an amalgamation of it's just like, this is kind of weird, but I kind of like it. Yeah, and it, in that sort of respect, in that sort of respect, you know, it was it ended up being Kyrie Irving starting alongside Bruce Brown, uh, Toyin Prince, Jeff Green, and Jared Allen. And boy, oh boy, that starting five, Nick, they set the tone. Yeah, they set the tone defensively, rebounding, toughness, physicality. And I think they mentioned on the broadcast that they don't think this unit has spent any time together at all, including training camp. So just coming out there and playing well, you saw some nice cohesion. And obviously, Kyrie stepped up as that leader in setting the tone offensively. But Bruce Brown providing that physicality, Jeff Green helping on the boards, and Jared Allen just being a straight monster tonight. Yeah, I don't know where to start, Nick. I mean, the biggest news of the night for me anyway is this is Jared Allen's coming out moment. Like, I, I, we know that he gets a lot of criticism here and there. I was sort of having a back and forth with Michael Pena of the Open Floor Pod talking about the rebounding sort of stuff with Jared Allen. But this is the best game of Jared Allen's career. 32 minutes, 19 boards. and uh, Sorry, 18 boards, 19 points, three steals, two blocks, got a dime, got to the line seven times, eight of nine from the field. He was truly dominant on the most dominant defensive big man in the league that earned himself $205 million. Mate, he should be... Jared Allen deserves to be getting at least half of that contract uh, for what he did to Rudy Gobert tonight. He destroyed him! Yeah, Jared Allen was this, like you said, this was the most impactful game of his career, and he matched up with Rudy Gobert, and he outplayed him. And both blocks came on Rudy Gobert. And one play... Uh, he was helping on Kyrie Irving with uh, Mike Conley, recovers, turns around, and blocks Rudy Gobert at the rim. I'm not sure how many other bigs in the league can do this. Obviously, there's a couple, be it Joel Embiid or some and of your other, great def- yeah, your other great defensive players, but that's an elite tier, and that's what Jared Allen is defensively. Like That recovery on that play was just amazing. Truly, truly dominant, Nick. 
And, you know, I was watching the possessions for him tonight when he was switched, switched out onto some guards as well, sort of some of the more underrated things, because it's, it's, it's a real strength of his that I truly enjoy. And there were times where he was cut out on, on Mike Conley, and he forced Mike Conley to kick it out to, to the perimeter. He is a dominant defensive big man now. And, you know, there's a bit of a back and forth happening in the Nets Republic chat right now about Miles Turner versus Jared Allen. I'm not going to get into that, but both of them have made a massive impact on both of their teams this season. Jared Allen getting the first starting gig. You know, he deserves to be starting. He deserves to be playing 30-plus minutes. He would have played more than 32 minutes tonight. He led the team in minutes over Kyrie Irving, for God's sake. If this isn't uh, an impetus going forward for Jared Allen, Spencer did what he said. He's got the he's going to be one of the, the top five centers in the league. You know, coming soon. I remember chatting on the on the jump. I absolutely love that. And Spencer did what he did the Lavar ball. He spoke it into fruition. Yeah, I mean, it was great tonight. I feel like the confidence and aggression was something that stuck out, especially in terms of the past when he faced Rudy Gobert. He's been a little timid, and Gobert's blocked him a couple times. Tonight, we saw him go at Gobert, including a couple post moves down there or, you know, a little spin move down there, a nice touch. Like, I was like, okay, Jared Allen, like, you came to play. You want to be the best player. And like you said, Jack, he played the entire third quarter. Like, you only great players play an entire quarter. Like, you really have to be cooking for your coach to leave you out there. And especially because I'm not sure off the top of my head, but this probably is his highest minute, you know, allocation for the season, right? Oh, definitely. Yeah, I think we've been talking about sort of like mid-20s. and you know, I think we saw like, 28 once. Yeah, I think something around that sort of range. And, you know, we'll talk about DeAndre Jordan's fouls and how it might have impacted that in a certain stretch. But I want to focus on Jared Allen. In my notes, Nick, the first thing that I noted with Jared Allen was that first little baby hook with the left hand. Yep. And that is something where I'm just like, okay, he wants to score tonight. He wants to make an impact tonight. Whereas in the past, we've seen Jared Allen kick it out, show a little bit more timid nature. That is gone. You know, Jared Allen ain't soft. He ain't timid. He shows aggression. He shows impact. He shows forcefulness. He wants to get to the line. He wants to dunk on your face. He wants to block you out of existence. And he did all of those things tonight and more. He was incredible. It's a game that we're going to remember that if we look forward in five years, and hopefully Jared Allen's on the Brooklyn Nets and it's one of the most dominant centers in the league, this is going to be the game where it's just like, remember that game against the Jazz, against Rudy Gobert, a former perennial defensive player of the year, a guy who earned a near supermax contract, and Jared Allen outplayed him. Not just outplayed him, he embarrassed him, Nick. Yeah, no, he really did. He, you know, he blocked him multiple times and he was scoring on him in ease. Like, and like you said, talking about that baby hook, that footwork was great. And he just, <sighs> he just did it without hesitation. There was just an aggression. Hey, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to score. I realize how high I can jump and I can match up with anybody in this league. And we saw that tonight. And like you said, Jack, this is a game we're going to look back on. And I think the Nets might even look back on it for this specific season where it's like Jared Allen is now our starter. He's our defensive anchor. And that's going to set the tone for us. Absolutely. You know, I think that this is going to be hopefully a big game, not just for Jared Allen going forward, but the team, obviously, in the absence of Kevin Durant, which you can touch on at some point during the podcast, maybe not right now. I want to stay on Jared Allen, Nick. What was better, the behind-the-back dime or the Jared Allen dunk? You know, the NBA Twitter put it out there. That dime was pretty as hell from Kai, but the dunk was just like, R.I.P. Rudy Gobert. You're going to be having French baguettes in heaven, my dude. Yeah, I mean, you can throw that pass against anybody. You can't posterize the defensive player of the year, you know, against anybody. So I'm giving it to Jared Allen. I mean, he dunked on him. He dunked on his head. Rudy Gobert wanted that, and he said, nope. Nope is like it. Oh, man, it was – I lost my shit a couple of times tonight. I I always come to the pod, try and make sure my voice is good, have a lot of water. But, man, I was yelling a lot tonight. I was uh, A good cursing. yell, though, tonight. Good yells, not bad yells. A lot yells. of good <laughs> yells. A lot of good yells, which is obviously a more positive thing. I need to take care of my voice. It's some honey and lemon tea to me before these podcasts. But in saying that, the, the, the positivity, and you can just see, Jared Allen's smile just makes you weak a little bit. You just yeah. love him. There is no, For people even that criticize Jared Allen, I'm sure that inside them, when they're criticizing him, it's like, you know, stabbing a baby kitten. He can't <laughs> do it. Like, he's just so damn wholesome. And, you know, there's people probably saying tonight that he's going to be working on his computer behind the scenes or whatever. But, man, Jared Allen, I think, has grown into himself now. The fro isn't the only thing that has grown on his head. It is out of control, and I'm loving it. He ain't cutting that until the Nets, until he's, you know, plays a bad game or whatever out of superstitious so circumstances. that's when the finals. <laughs> absolutely, mate. Absolutely. But... I think he said that he won't shave it if they win the finals, but he'd get braids. So I like something that. else to look forward to. I like that a lot. But yeah, I, I think that 
All right, I, you've made the resounding argument for the Jared Allen dunk. I'm in your corner as well. I do agree with that. But what about the block? Was it one of the blocks or one of the dunks? Like, because he did, he blocked him twice. Yeah. And, I'm, and you're the dunk that you said, in terms of, it's not going to probably be the one on ESPN or SportsCenter or whatever, but for those that watch basketball and consume Jared Allen content as much as we do, to see the level of expertise on defense in that, the awareness, the timing, the physicality, everything was goddamn near perfect. Was it that or was it the dunk, Nick? No, it was uh, the feel on defense. And the, the, that one play that I mentioned before, the recovery to block Rudy Gobert on a two-handed slam at the rim, that's just, like, incredible. Like, to have the ability to not only recover that quickly, you know, he literally turned his back and turned around and then get up and block Gobert. I mean, it was just great. And I feel like his, like you said, Jack, the only thing growing isn't his, just his afro, it's his head. It's his basketball IQ. He's getting a better yeah. feel for the game. And he's also getting a better feel for Kyrie Irving in the screens to set. And that's something we talked about a little bit last year, where at times I think they struggled to touch, even though the numbers were great, just kind of finding that rhythm and where to go because Kyrie is such a creative player. It's kind of harder to read than a Spencer Dinwiddie or a Karis LeVert. Yeah, I think Kai always uses screens incredibly well to find a, a certain amount of space. You know, there's it's just not the a role of... that sometimes is hard. Yeah, and, and Jared Allen's been rolling much better yeah. these days, and he's kicking out on the short rolls. We've seen that in previous games. But one thing that Kyrie Irving does incredibly well is using screens to g- create space for himself. There's few times where I really see Kyrie Irving reject the screen. A lot of players reject the screen because you know it, it's sometimes the better play, and and you know a lot of players are really good at the slip slipping the screen, like John Collins and Christian Wood, these sort of dudes. But Jared Allen's awareness of his teammates, and he credited you know Matt Brooks was as, apparently uh, put on his timeline. He's credited his teammates tonight for the performance, but I think a lot of it was Jared. That's Allen a great being, teammate. <laughs> look, he's he was individually brilliant tonight, Nick. You know, it wasn't you know obviously you know when Kyrie Irving is so damn hot from the field, and we'll get to him in a little bit. You know, you just feel that intangible energy. The defensive force from Bruce Brown, Jeff Green, and and Torian Prince was certainly locked in, but. There was also a little thing that I noticed of Jared Allen, Nick, as well. When Rudy Gobert did like get a, a score on him, and you know, there was an elbow in there, Jared Allen's like to the ref after he's inbounding the ball, he's like, I "What about it. the elbow?" I'm just like, Jared Allen would not have said that in seasons past. Like, yeah. it just seems to me that there is a, a level of confidence and swagger to Jared Allen where it's just like, man, I, I bow down to you, my dude. You are. You are the Brooklyn, not only just the Brooklyn Nets starting center, you're one of the better starting centers in the league. You know, I was debating before the game, like with, the, with some people on Twitter, like, is he top 20? Is he top 15? Is he top 10 or whatever? I don't honestly care. But at this point in time, for a 22-year-old to be even in the top 10 conversation, in a league where we have some transcendent senders right now, and one of those transcendent senders... Oh, man, say that. Transcendent senders. One of those transcendent senders. I can't... I'll, I'll just leave it there. Um... Is Rudy Gobert and he outplays him. I don't know if Joel Embiid. I'll be what I'll be. I'll be watching out. But I'm, I think that's his next test. If he can yep. prove it against Joel Embiid, then Jared Allen is here and he is here to stay. And he's the perfect fit for this team and what they need. You know what I mean? If he's able to do that, I mean, that's going to be a big task because I don't think there's many players in the league that can stop Joel Embiid alone. You know what I mean? It's a team effort. And also, I think a big step in Jared Allen for Jared Allen in this game against Embiid is his positioning. He's quicker than Embiid. He has to beat him to the spots and force him to commit those offensive fouls. Obviously, he doesn't want to get elbowed in the head again, but we'll save that for another day. There was one um, block, Nick, where, Jar- where Rudy Gobert got great positioning down low. And I'm just like, all right, he's just going to baby hook this yep. in. And Jared Allen's just like, uh, no, you're not. And I'm just like, that is insane for any player. Like, if you're down, if you're like a guard on a center down low, you throw it over the top, and, and if you had that positioning, it's almost like a goddamn near bucket. It's like Joe Harris shooting from three. It's hard three. to block it without fouling. That's no, the real it, trick. You know what I mean? Because you're going over their back, and he just timed it perfectly. I, I would say that Jared Allen is a top five blocker in the NBA, in terms of at least at the center position. Like, if not top three. You know, in terms of... 
He might not be as forceful as a blocker as, as some other guys, but you know when I look at him and Miles Turner specifically, especially this season, they just know that they can block everything, and they know when not to block as well. Yeah. They know when to okay, I can body position you and force you into a bad spot. You know, Jared Allen's not going to be a guy that will get. Well, actually, he might be, but you know, Miles Turner is averaging like four and a half blocks per game. If I'm listening to Corey Wright on full <laughs> access aces, but you know, Jared Allen with two blocks tonight. I think that two of those blocks and his positioning, you know, kind of. Like five. No. <laughs> man, it, you might as well. You know, there, there is there are buckets and there are blocks that just count for more. And we could make this a Jared Allen tribute podcast, and I will start a Jared Allen only fans going forward and just do his hair and his smile and, and do screenshots of that. But man, this was a, a truly truly great night for Jared Allen and and the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, 100%. And you mentioned buckets, and somebody was getting buckets tonight, and it just looked too easy. It didn't look like it, it's supposed to be that easy, and that's Kyrie Irving. You know what I mean? Just like the efficiency again, Jack. He's just shooting with ease, and we saw him do it in a lot of different ways tonight. And I love the fact that he was attacking the rim. Just He went to the rim on Rudy Gobert and finished on him like two or three times tonight. And I was just like, okay, like this is a Kyrie that I love because this is what the offense needs. And we'll talk about you know some of the team stats probably a little bit later, but I could feel the difference in attacking the paint tonight. And it's funny, they don't attack the paint when it's freaking John Collins, Bismack Biombo, <laughs> and all these other players. But hey, Rudy Gobert, Defensive Player of the Year, we're going to attack him and have our best play in the paint all season. What are we doing? <laughs> uh, 68 to 40, Nick, is the stat that you're looking for. You know, outscored the Utah Jazz by 28 points in the paint. And Kyrie Irving did certainly set the tone there. Bruce Brown in his first bucket, just like, you know what, I'm going to attack this lane. The Bruce yep. Brown experience begun. But, you know, and I think there were a couple of times, at least once in my eyes, where I'm like, why isn't he getting called for the foul here? Why isn't he getting the end one yep. here? It's like... The, he hasn't had a lot he, of free throws this year. It's kind of, He didn't shoot any this game, did he? And it's not that he doesn't... It's not that he's not showing the right purpose and the right aggression there. He deserves to be shooting free throws. It's like him and KD are both so damn good at finishing or just don't flop like LeBron James or Trey Young or James Harden that they just don't get the calls. And it's just because they're just so damn pure at the game of basketball. It's a little bit frustrating. It's more than a little bit frustrating sometimes. I felt like he should have at least had four free throws tonight. There was two times where I felt like he specifically was, and then there was other times where it's like 50-50, I get not getting the call. But then I was seeing some of the other calls, and I'm just like, all right. Like, Kyrie just got smacked by three people. Like, come on. Yeah. Look, my favorite bucket from him tonight, Nick, and, I mean, he got a lot of them. Talk to me, uh, to be specific. 29 points for him. Also had six boards, five dives, three steals. He was locked in defensively. Absolutely loved his defense. A lot of hustle tonight. A lot of hustle. He was, he was leading the team. In Katie's absence, Kyrie Irving really stepped up and set the tone there because Katie's been really setting the tone on the defensive end uh, himself. So, yeah, 12 and 9 in from the field, including 5 or 7 from 3. Really good to see that three ball dropping, including the pull up, including basically everything. You know, he was shooting it over the top of dudes. Um, but he was absolutely incredible offensively. My favorite bucket, as I was alluding to, was the one where he got ISO'd onto Royce O'Neal. And I'm just like, all right, how are you going to get yourself out of this, my dude? And it's just like, foot, foot, jab, jab, jab. Gets himself to a spot and sort of like pushes off a little bit. Shows an immense amount of strength and composure to get the free throw line mid-range jumper. And that's not going to, again, like some of Jared Allen's highlights, that's not going to be one that's going to be, you know, the die and the behind-the-back ones or the three-point shooting from 30 feet. That one against Royce O'Neal, who's one of the better isolation defenders, one-on-one defenders in the league, was just, like, you just can't stop it, man. You can't. Yeah, I mean, he just had a couple plays tonight and. Uh, the play where he someone passed on the ball and his foot was in, his pivot foot was on the ground. It was like barely touching, and then he was able to reestablish his position. I was yeah. just like, and then he scored on that play. I was just like, you know, and like you said, there's a couple plays on Royce O'Neal where he just kind of enjoyed ha- having him defend him. You know what I mean? It was like, oh, this is supposed to be a good defender. Okay. <laughs> I mean, there there isn't a defender in the league that can stop Kyrie Irving. It's as simple as that. You know, it doesn't matter who you are, whether you're Marcus Smart, whether you're Royce O'Neal. It, it, there's nothing that can stop him. The only person that's going to stop Kyrie Irving is Kyrie Irving. You know, yep. Him missing shots. He's going to get a good shot no matter what. But it's just whether he's going to execute it. And boy, did he execute tonight. You know, it was like 18 points in the first quarter, 7-7 seven seven from the field. Did start to cool down a little bit uh, in the second half, but doesn't necessarily matter. He set the tone offensively for the team and, and defensively. Some of those steals, the hustle back in transition off the misses, uh, I thought that he was truly incredible tonight. Yeah, no, and when he has his three ball going, I don't think you can defend him at all. 
like five and seven when he's feeling confidence and he had that one uh, dribble handoff with DeAndre where he barely had the ball for a second. Boom. Like that's some stuff I'd probably like to see a little bit more on the offense in general just to make things a little bit easier for him sometimes. But like you said, Jack, came out, set the tone on both ends of the floor and those hustle plays really stuck out, especially when I don't know why he turned down the layup. He tried to pass it to Joe. For yeah, saw that. At least he made up for it and got the steal on the other end. But I was like, come on, I know you want to be a good teammate, but just lay that baby in. Yeah, look, it was literally like a – and it seems to me that that's where he was, again, trying to set the tone, be a good teammate, be a good leader, you know, get looks for Joe and, and that sort of thing. But it's just like, dude, you know, it's, an, it's an easy two points. Yeah, yes, we're up to wide 20 or whatever, but let's make it 22. Yep. But, you know, I think his three ball has been great this season, Nick. You know, he is a 39% shooter on his career, and he's 38.9%, you know, uh, before tonight's performance. So that's probably going to go up to, to somewhere in the 40% range. And, you know, he is a, a, one of the best three-point shooting guards in the league, you know, Damian Lillard, Stephen Curry, these sort of dudes. He is in, in their territory. He's absolutely elite. And try and stop him, man. Try and stop him. And, you know, I think that, you know, against the, the Philadelphia 76ers, having Ben Simmons on him and, you know, some of these other guys, you know, probably Ben Simmons is, is the main one, it's going to be another challenge for him. And, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to see how he steps up, Nick. But, Nick... Hey everyone, before we get into today's pod, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and e-learning courses full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part? It's only $15, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle's an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance in the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more. But that's bwhustle.com slash join. Bruce Brown, baby! Yeah, we finally got Bruce Brown. And it's so it's like so weird. I feel like this happens more than normal with the Nets. Like a player will not play, and then all of a sudden he'll be inserted in the starting lineup. Like we barely have seen Bruce Brown all year long. And it's like, all right, we're going to start you next to Kyrie Irving because KD's not playing, so let's see what you can do. And he lived up to the hype. I think in terms of what we needed from a role player, Bruce Brown brought that tonight. The toughness, the physicality, defensively. And one thing I like about him defensively, he's just annoying. Like, he finds a way to get back into the play, and he's just the type of the guy that, like, oh, he might be able, not be able to contest the shots. He'll wave his hand in your face, like, just to kind of piss you off. And that's exactly what the Nets need. They need one of these energy guys, and like you mentioned, attacking the rim early on, finished with five assists. So, you know, good game for Bruce Brown. Uh, do you mind if I swear, Nick? Yeah, go ahead. That motherfucker is strong, man. <laughs> he is strong, this motherfucker. Like, he is, like, you just look at his, he also has a great lower center of gravity. So he, it's not that, like, he's got some he's big so, ass shoulders, too. Yeah, like, he's, he's huge. Like, he is massive. And when we heard Iron Eagle talk about, you know, his, his footballing days um, in high school. So that's where he gets that sort of body composition from. But it doesn't take away from, you know, the lateral quickness and the ability to move back and north and south, as, as I saw uh, my guy Lucas Kaplan put on Twitter. You know, he was, he was great tonight. And, you know, he was worth everything that we, we, we've been hoping for. And I think he is the best facsimile replacement for Spencer Dimwitty in a lot of respects. You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan of Landry Shaman. I'm a fan of Chris Gios. I'm a fan of these sort of guys that provide some semblance of that, maybe more so offensively. But Bruce Brown just has a better awareness and I think he's uh, he just looks better as a role player in the starting yeah. lineup. And we don't need a guy that can that needs the ball in their hand, needs to shoot five times. Bruce Brown can do more without the ball in his hands than maybe more than any other player on this roster. Yeah, because he's one of the, you know, most talented defensive players in the roster. So, you know what I mean? Like, it's automatically going to kind of set the tone. And uh, he had a push shot tonight, and that's a shot that we saw him kill the Nets with last year when they lost to them early on when he outplayed Kyrie Irving in that game. So that's something where he can initiate the offense at times. I think that'd be something you could look at, especially if teams are going to play zone like we saw from the Jazz in the second quarter. They're, like, daring him to shoot that three. And his three-point shot did not look great on that one attempt. But there's, like you said, Jack, there's other ways to have impact. And when you have Kyrie Irving and when Kevin Durant is back, you have those two guys, you're not having much issue creating offense. No, not at all. And the Nets still shot 38.9% yeah. from three tonight. Their, their offensive execution is never going to be an issue. 
You know, I, I'm because Kyrie Irving, Joe Harris, Karis Levert tonight. Obviously, we'll get to him a little bit. They create so much gravity individually. It just makes it easier for the role players behind them: Jeff Green, Torian Prince, Bruce Brown, Tyler Johnson, whoever else it might be. It just makes it easier. You know, it, because you have these easier looks. You can get to that sort of mid-range shot. You can get to the elbow, which Bruce Brown looks comfortable with, and Kar- and Karis is finally hitting tonight. So, yeah, could not say enough good things about Bruce Brown tonight. And you know, <laughs> we saw some. Great tweets from Nolan Jensen and Matt Brooks tonight about, you know, Steve Nash's playbook and Steve Nash listening to Ned's tweet or whatever. But he deserves a lot of credit tonight. This yeah. this lineup was wacky. This lineup was weird. This starting five was weird. But goddamn, did it work, Nick. It's exactly what the doctor ordered. Like, all the complaints we had about the way the Nets were playing, defensively, rebounding, you know, more hustle plays. We got that with the starting lineup because we got Bruce Brown. We also got Jeff Green and Torian Prince, I think, played somewhat solid out there too. So you know what I mean? Like the combination of all these guys and obviously Jared Allen providing that defense, I think it really just helps set the tone and something we've discussed in this podcast, not only this season, but last season in the past is like, if you can frustrate a team early with your defense, it'll hurt them as the game progresses. They're not going to feel as comfortable and not going to be knocking down five shots in a row. Like we've seen some of those games against the Hawks or the Hornets or whatever it might be. Yeah, Wizards, like you're letting these teams get comfortable tonight. They did not let them get comfortable and they they smacked them in the mouth to start the game. They really did. And, and I think that that was, you know, we heard Jeff Green say after the game that we need to initiate our game from our defense to our offense. And that's what happened. You know, yep. you get stops and you get boards and you get out in transition. And that's where the Brooklyn Nets look goddamn unstoppable, whether it's Kyrie Irving in transition, Jared Allen following him, following him for some oops, Bruce Brown putting in the work. You know, it was. That's where it needs to be. That's where the tone needs to be set. And, you know, I've seen basically nonstop chat about the Brooklyn Nets and their defense. And while I still have my concerns about it, Nick, we are in game seven, game eight. You know, yep. I, and I'm not necessarily buying into the fact that the Brooklyn Nets are going to be one of the five worst defensive teams. Because what I saw tonight, what I saw against Boston, and what we have on this roster, what we saw last season with a less capable defensive roster, still finishing eighth in defensive rating. Kevin Durant might be a second best defensive player on second or third. You can put him in the upper echelon of our individual defensive players. And he was out tonight. But Jeff Green, Toyin Prince, Bruce Brown, Jared Allen, those are four average or above average defenders. Toyin Prince, you can make an argument for, but tonight he wasn't like that. And this season, I think he's been better, you know, whether it's at the point of attack or with help defense, he's been a lot smarter um, as well. So I think that if we main, if this is the starting lineup against the Philadelphia 76ers, another really strong team in terms of their size, their physicality, and they're also really good shot makers. You know, this is, this balance, I think is something that I think I'm going to be enthused about. Yeah, and I think, you know, when KD comes back, you could easily swap out Torian Prince. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? And then you're feeling really good about the lineup. And like you said, you're getting some of that physicality that you need. And also this lineup can switch a lot more. And it can switch without being attacked so much. You know what I mean? When we're playing undersized guys, it's a little bit harder. But you have a guy like Jeff Green who was able to switch out onto Donovan Mitchell, but also defend Bogdanovich and also be able to box out Rudy Gobert on occasion. You know what I mean? And Torian Prince has a little bit more size and length than a TLC and a Joe Harris. So I think that all kind of adds up and makes it just a little bit easier. And then also, like, the team isn't exerting so much energy being physically outmatched to start the game. Yeah, I agree. On, I agree on that regard because there was you could see that you know there was the gang rebounding that was happening in the early points of the season. That was yeah. back. Kyrie Irving was clamoring to get the boards. You know, Joe Harris, uh, not Joe Harris, uh, Bruce Brown was clamoring to get boards, and you know he is a great rebounder. You know, he had six himself tonight. You look at the boards. Toyin Prince is the only one who didn't have a, a rebound, but that's because Jeff Green had five himself. Uh, Jared Allen had eighteen. <laughs> Kyrie Irving had six, and Bruce Brown had six. Your yep. starters are setting the tone there. And then, you know, Reggie Perry off the bench, you know, gets his five boards as well. That's where the tone was set. And I think that as well, there are a couple offensive boards, but that's just because Rudy Gobert is like seven foot three. And those ones weren't being as punishing or as impactful on the other end. So I thought that the rebounding was certainly tuned in. And like we sort of said, we have a level of confidence that some of the misgivings of the Brooklyn Nets team that they currently are can be tuned in and locked in a, a little bit in this. And I think that going up against a Utah Jazz team who has been hot uh, offensively and defensively, been one of the better teams in the league in, when I've been watching them as well. You know, they take a lot of threes. You know, Donovan Mitchell's had his ups and downs. But Rudy Gobert is always dominant. Mike Conley's been on. Joe Ingles, Bogdanovich, Royce O'Neal. They've got a lot of good players good in their team. roster. 
Really, really good team. Really, really well coached as well. You know, we saw some zone out there, and, you know, it, it flustered the Nets for a little bit. I was surprised that maybe the Utah didn't continue to go to that. But at the same time, they still got decent looks out of that zone. It's just that they didn't necessarily execute on those possessions. But I just thought that the Brooklyn Nets, their ability to adapt as the players and their ability to adapt from the coaching staff, this is what we wanted to see. Not necessarily just being like, all right, DeAndre Jordan's still going to get 20 minutes. Uh, Bruce Brown, no, we're not going to play you. We'll stick to this nine or 10-man rotation. I just thought that there was much more flexibility. And I think that in a crazy season in the way that it is, and now with the absence of Kevin Durant for at least another three games, this is what needs to happen. Let's get weird. Let's get wacky. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, let's change it up. Let's just keep changing, keep growing, keep progressing. Yeah, I think the coaching impact is felt in this game. And obviously, like you said, Jack, it's only the eighth game of the season. So we can cut Steve Nash a little slack for not knowing his team to the highest extent. And maybe he was just kind of waiting to get a bigger sample size. And he's like, you know what? Hey, that's not working. I gave you guys a plenty of an opportunity to try this out. And now I got to switch things up. And that's what he did tonight. And obviously, anybody else you want to talk in the starting lineup before I move to bench guys? Um, no, I just I thought that Jeff, everybody, Green, right? yeah, Jeff Green and Torian Prince as a combination you know, I just think that their size and athleticism at the forward position, I think is really good. You know, you can interchange them at the three and the yep. four, and they can also back up Jared Allen quite capably. Yeah, and obviously Torian Prince had a couple of plays tonight where his offense maybe looked a little bit smoother. I like that drive to the rim, and I think yeah. that's a shot that he can maybe incorporate a little bit more. Um, and like you said, Jeff Green just being that solid vet. But the big one of the bigger changes in starting lineup, too, was Joe Harris went to the bench. What were your thoughts on that? Look, initially, I'm like, what, what, what? The best three-point shooter in the league, the best three-point shooter since 2017-18, better than Stephen Curry, better than Clay Thompson, better than J.J. Redick, is coming off the bench. But then, if it works, it works, Nick. And like you sort of mentioned, it provided a level of comfort and balance for Carlos Levert especially. And we yep. saw Carlos Levert, and we'll talk about him in a little bit. But Joe Harris is still going to get his own. You know, in 23 minutes tonight, 10 points, uh, had a steal, had a dime as well, two or four from three, four or seven from the field. The dude just knows how to impact the game. Like, yep. whether he's coming off the bench as, like, a super sub, a la Danilo Gallinari, or he's starting in, in the vein of one of the best three-point shooters in the league. You know, it just it gives you options. And now that we've sort of seen this, it's just like, okay, well, in closing, in, at their closing, we can have Joe Harris out there for spacing. You can sub out a Torian Prince or whatever. But if Torian Prince is, you know, going to play capably... You know, he can keep that starting spot because at the end of the day, I don't think it necessarily means much because, you know, Joe Harris still had more minutes than Jeff Green and Torian Prince anyway, and the same amount of minutes as Bruce Brown. At the end of the day... And it kind of protects Joe a little bit too from getting attacked with some of those mismatches that we saw against some of these other teams. Agreed, agreed. So I think that it, it works well in different regards. So it's just another ace up the sleeve for Steve Nash as, as a coach and being able to go, you know what? I can put the best shooter in in, in the league. I'll, I'll, I'll put him on the bench for a little bit. And, you know, we'll, we'll let him attack against some of these second units. Or, you know, we can still close with him. Torian, you can come out for a little bit. That three ball isn't falling. we got Joe Harris up our sleeve. So I thought that that was quite clever. And it did work tonight. Whether it's going to work against the, the Philadelphia 76ers and some other teams going forward remains to be seen. But as a unit tonight, I thought that the the, the reserves really kept the, the intensity going. And uh, I thought that they were really, really good. You know, we saw Tyler Johnson, you know, really being quite serving. TLC, you know, had uh, looking at his box score, I'm like, damn, he had five shots tonight. I think some of that might have been in some extra junk time, but you know, I think TLC, I, I, I'm if he's starting again, I would be surprised because honestly, I'd prefer Prince and Bruce Brown and Jeff Green over him, to be honest. Yeah, I think, well, Prince and uh, Jeff Green both provide the size that we've kind of talked about. And especially if you're starting Jared Allen, you want to protect them to an extent. And the same thing if Kevin Durant's out there. You want to have a bigger body so they're not getting banged up so much. So I agree. And Bruce Brown also obviously provides a defense and kind of fits more of that, like, role player that they need because the offense is already so good with Kyrie and KD. It's almost like having Joe Harrison there is a luxury that they don't need right now. And also, you kind of hint at it, Jack. The first, like, six minutes of the game is just starting. Like, that doesn't really mean anything. It almost gives Steve Nash more flexibility to have Joe Harris off the bench because then he could intertwine him more with the starting unit and more with the bench unit instead of having to worry about, like, where his minutes are at or making sure he gets a rest. Because I think in previous games, we really didn't necessarily see Joe play a ton of minutes with that bench unit. Maybe other than that Memphis game, it was mostly just a lot of with the starting unit, a lot of minutes with KD. So I thought yeah. it was good. And like you said, I thought it really helped Karis Avert. I just and I think Utah's a team as well that they stick to shooters. Like they Joe Ingles was not coming off Joe Harris. There was plays where he needed to help. Donald Mitchell, same thing. They were just to Joe Harris's hip. Yeah, absolutely. I thought 
we'll get to some quotes at the end, but man, Joe Harris, he even if there is a defender on him, it seems to me that he's going to... We know his streak, what is it, at 67, 68 games now. He hit two of them tonight. Yep. You know, two or four, 50% from the field. You know, uh, from three, sorry. He is just going to continue to provide... Uh, if he's getting less... I would be surprised if he's getting less than 10 points and hitting less than one three a game. You know, it's, yep. that's what you're going to get out of Joe. And that is something that this team needs. They need the space to create the extra space for Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, Karis Levert, these sort of dudes that want to drive a little bit, get to their mid-range shots, or drive to the rim uh, in certain sort of respects. When you've got Joe Harris on the perimeter, man, you cannot leave that dude open. And if he's open, he's hitting it. And he's hitting the ones that are contested now as well. You can't say enough good things about the confidence and improvement from Joe Harris. And it's insane, Nick, because, you know, three guys, it, just sort of speaking a bit existentially about this team since we started this podcast, you know, Joe Harris came from bugger all nothing, you know, a, a scrappy from Orlando, Cleveland, and everywhere else. You know, he, Bird, he, you know, Orlando cut him like an hour before he was about to get surgery. Yep. Yep, and now he is a $75 million man contributing on one of the better teams in the league. You know, Karis LeVert, you know, there was so much criticism for him going into tonight's game, and he missed that first shot, and a part of me is just like, man, come on, Karis, I know you got this in you, man. And I just willed the energy for him to just, you know, hit the shots, hit the, hit the step back three, getting to his mid-range shot, getting to the line a little bit more, which is I absolutely love. Four, That's where four, it all started, Jack. He missed all the shots until he got to the line. He hit the two free throws, and everything changed. 4 of 4 from there, 9 of 18 from the field, 2 of 5 from 3, 24 points, 5 dimes, 2 steals. Look, Karras is going to have his inconsistencies. We do know that. He's the second best player on this roster right now with Kevin Durant out. There is a lot of on, on his shoulders, you know, having to helm that second unit. But, you know, if you like the sort of, you know, the mismatching and, and having, you know, DeAndre as a, as a backup, you know, he's got some decent chemistry with him. And Jared Allen's playing extended minutes, so you can keep him out there as well. And Joe Harris providing the spacing on the floor. And then you've got Tyler Johnson as well as a capable second ball handler to ease that burden of him crucial. as well. That was crucial. Thought that was really, really good, really smart coaching, and Tyler Johnson did prove that he deserves to be out there um, for however long. You know, I just think that he's just a really capable player. And look, I don't know how long that this is going to last, Nick. We're not going to have 34 point wins. Blowouts are going to be, you know, quite consistent throughout the year. And maybe we need to temper our expectations individually, like our own blowout losses versus our own blowout wins. But especially this early in the season and with the whole COVID pandemic, you know what I mean? Like, especially, yeah. But yeah, Karras was great tonight, Nick. And look, you watch him probably more than any other other guy that I know. What did you see from him tonight that was, I guess, different to, to previous performances? Yeah, I felt like the rhythm in his shot was there and the confidence was. And just like he was going to some of the moves. And like I said, I thought the free throws was huge. Like just seeing the ball go through the basket twice can give you that level of confidence. And I thought it was crucial that he got minutes with Kyrie, which we've seen over the last couple of games. But then he also had minutes with Tyler Johnson. And then having Joe Harris out there, a guy he feels really confident comfortable with and they have a lot of chemistry like they're the two longest tenured nets right and they in yep. jared allen so jared like, allen. so they have that chemistry and i think after the game he also mentioned having chemistry with tlc from the bubble like they played a lot of minutes together and the minutes really i don't know if the chemistry was there with landry shaman and torian prince and maybe even jeff green they're all kind of newer guys you get him out there with some guys he feels more comfortable with you give him that secondary ball handler and you also give him one of the best floor spacers in the entire nba and joe harris things are going to look a lot easier. And you're also going to get more opportunities to get to the rim because the offense is running more cohesively. Yeah, I think that the the changes made by Steve Nash to allow Carlos Severs to succeed really did impact tonight. And, you know, I don't know how, how consistently Tyler Johnson is going to be, you know, a secondary ball handler. Maybe he gets relegated once Kevin Durant's back. I don't necessarily know. But as of this point, as soon as he came in, I'm like, you know what? Great decision. You know, 6.7 assists, two steals from him, two or four from three. You know, as soon as he got in there, he didn't have time to take off his mask and his, you know, tracksuit pants. He just hit that three. And I'm just like, all right, TJ. And we are now calling him TJ. I've now coined it. I don't know. I don't care about TJ McConnell and TJ Leaf or whatever. Tyler Johnson is the real tj tj curls thought, out here <laughs> uh, yeah tj curls absolutely loving it yeah so i thought that his impact uh, alongside caris avert and yeah like you mentioned the bubble experience you know he was playing alongside tyler johnson um in, in certain sort of and i mean caris avert and joe harris had great synergy in the bubble too they were carrying the nets throughout the bubble you know what i mean yep. those guys were averaging like 20 points a game each so i think it's good for both guys and like i said i think it almost allows both of them to kind of get like the best use out of each other where sometimes Joe Harris, when he's playing with the starters, he's almost just strictly a floor spacer where you saw a little bit more actions run for him or more screen set for him with that second unit because yeah. they need to create other ways of offense. 
Yeah, and we saw some time where it was Jared Allen Curry having Bruce Brown, Karras, and, and Joe Harris. And I'm yeah. just like, that's the best lineup. That's the one that I it warms me up in, in a lot of different places. <laughs> you know, that, that was, uh, I just think that we saw, we were worried about the depth on display, Nick, because of, and I think some of that was Steve Nash not utilizing that depth that he had yep. on display. Tonight, we saw it in its full force. And, you know, he's going to have to continue to utilize. And this rotation might not work against the Philadelphia 76ers, a different team in, in how their makeup is. You know, but I do like Bruce Brown. And we can talk about it a little bit. But Bruce Brown starting and, and hounding Seth Curry around the perimeter, I think that's going to make life hard for him. But, yeah, Karis Levert, I just thought, once we saw the ball go in the basket, and I was pretty heavy on the fact that he wasn't getting to the free throw line in the last podcast, you know, before that, he had eight free throws and it hadn't really hit any. He hadn't got to the free throw line in, so I think, three of the, the six or seven games. Got there four times four times tonight. I'm just like, okay, doesn't matter if Rudy Gobert's down there, as you sort of alluded to, Nick. He's just like, all right, it doesn't, I'm going to show my aggression, show my purpose. And that sort of fed the rest of his game. You know, he's just like, all right, I can hit my mid ranges now from the elbow, from the little sort of mid range spot. And it seemed to me that they weren't short anymore. They were swishing, they were rolling forward, they were, they were rolling back. So I just liked the, the, no hesitation. No hesitation. There was a there was a purpose to, to his game tonight and just an, an instinctual nature. Like he that first shot was way short and I'm just like, all right, is Karras gonna get in his head again? But he's just like no. And then sometimes the defense fed his offense as well. I just thought it was a really, really nice performance from him. And look, he's gonna have his inconsistencies as I alluded to earlier. But this is the best version of Karis Avert coming off the bench, you know. You're not going to have many guys coming off the bench scoring 24 points. Obviously, in 21 you're not minutes. In 21 minutes, you know, two or five from three. It's literally a near-perfect performance from him when you add in the five dimes as well. So absolutely great performance, great bounce back from him. Hopefully we see that continue against a team where he, which he has played quite well against in the past, you know. If we're looking at the Philadelphia 76ers, uh, our playoff run, our best player in, in previous years against them. So hopefully he can maintain that consistency, that production going forward. But Nick, other And one more thing about him, Jack, I like the fact even when he missed on some of the drives, it ended up being an easy finish for Jared Allen or DeAndre Jordan. So that's why it's important. Even if you're going to miss sometimes, but if you're taking two defenders, your big might be able to get a nice little cleanup. Yeah, there was, I think it was the end of the third or the second. I can't remember where he he drove yep. really hard. And Jaron's just there, you know what? I'm going to step over you, Kara. Sorry, my dude, but I'll, I'll I'll put it in. And, you know, we can count it as an assist if you want. It's not going to yes. count on the, on the box score sheet, but um, it, it was awesome. And Nick, is there any other plays you wanted to dive into before we get to some quotes? I know there's a couple of things I wanted to touch on uh, in general before we do uh, start with some of these quotes and maybe look forward to the Sixers game. Yeah, I just will give TLC some credit. I know some of his points came in garbage time, but even in the ones that didn't, I felt like he did a nice job cutting and providing some motion for that second unit, which at times we've complained about has been extremely stagnant. He just has a nice feel for filling the lane and kind of hitting that open space and making himself available for the person with the basketball. Yeah, and look, it, it, Tyler Johnson and TLC, the guys that we spoke about in the bubble, it's just like, all right, who's going to produce for us now? Now that the role for them has decreased, you know, obviously a TLC was a starter, but not tonight. It just seems to me that there's just a bit of flow to, to and cohesion to that unit. And look, it might not happen in the next game, and Steve Nash might have to go, oh, man, my, my bench guys aren't feeling it right now. I might need to keep it Kai out there for a little bit longer and put TLC with the starters to get his shot going, or maybe they need a little bit of extra energy and transition, and TLC's quickness and, and, and lateral speed uh, can sort of help them a little bit. But yeah. And, and again, I gave love to, to, to Tyler Johnson, uh, the man I'm referring to as TJ before. But yeah, I think that his impact and his presence doesn't just... Uh, he knows how to get his own shot, Nick. You know, literally, I said, like, he was out there for like 30 seconds and he got a three. And I'm just like, it was wet as hell. It wasn't like one of Kyrie Irving's lucky ones. And it wasn't it lucky because... It bounced like you, three times. Yeah. You create that luck for yourself when you're that hot, as hot as he was. But Tyler Johnson goes out there just like, switch, I'm Joe Harris. And I'm just like, all right, TJ is going to be on tonight. And he has his deficiencies. He gets murdered on screens. Like, he's a guy that gets lost, and he's not, you know, the most amazing defender. But you instantly feel his energy and hustle out there. You know what I mean? Like, you, he just provides some of that spark and just some of that ball handling, some little, like, zip plays. He also had that really – the TJ had that really sweet pass to TLC. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I, I wanted to touch on maybe, I guess, DeAndre? a funny – I was about to say. <laughs> okay. um, four hours and four minutes, Nick. How? 
How does one person do that? <laughs> yeah, that was rough. Especially when he already had three fouls. The fourth foul was pushing Rudy Gobert in the back. And, like, he didn't need to do it. He could have literally just, like, boxed him out or just jumped up for the basketball, and it would have been fine. <laughs> yeah, uh, ended the game with five fouls in nine minutes. And, look, there's a part of me that's just like, thanks, DJ, because there might have been a part of Steve Nash that if you had have had two or three instead of four, you might have inserted him back into the game where and take, taken away crucial yep. minutes from what was an, a, a truly remarkable night from Jared Allen. So in a weird way, uh, DeAndre Jordan's inefficiency and stupidity um, helped out the Brooklyn Nets, Nick? It blessed them, I guess. It made Steve Nash's life easier. You yeah, know what I mean? Did. Yeah, 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 let's go with that. Let's go with that. Um, you want to touch on some quotes, my dude? Yeah, let's do it, Jack. All right, so uh, thanks to Alex Schiffer and Matt Brooks for all of these. I'll be sure to credit you guys. Uh, Rudy Gobert. Uh, this is by, actually by Tony Jones. And you know, we might get to some, some of these ones because um, Alex retweeted on his timeline. Rudy Gobert said this, I started the game soft, and that gave Jared Allen confidence to do anything he wanted. Yeah. Um, I don't like him sort of putting it on himself. You can change your mentality throughout the game. It's just like, to me, that's taking away credit from Jared Allen. I'm just like, all right, you go to sleep with your $205 million, my dude, and um, worry about that rather than worrying about... kiss some microphones? Uh, <laughs> no, come on, man. Come on. Let's, we'll, we'll be on that. No, I really don't like Rudy Gobert. Um, and I just feel like it's kind of deflecting and just kind of giving Jared Allen some credit for playing a good game. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, yeah, I played bad. That's why he played so well. Like, yeah, like maybe you didn't have your best game, but Jared Allen played really well and you should give him some credit. Like, And that's and look, that's what we've heard Kevin Durant do. You know, in, he's talked about like, you know, when talking about the Atlanta Hawks game where they lost or won, I can't remember which game because uh, it was the back-to-back, but it's just like John Collins is just goddamn awesome at, at slipping screens or he's one of the best in the yep. league. That's what the good players do. That, that, those are the ones that are comfortable within their own abilities and ha- are comfortable enough within their own, just like, you know, I'm, you know what, I'm, these guys are good, man. I'm good also, but I don't need to discredit someone else um, to, to talk myself up and talk them down, so to speak. Nick, uh, this one's Alex Schiffer on shaking up the starting lineup. Steve Nash says that they're going to continue to experiment to give guys different opportunities and see what works. We'll see different lineups. I like hearing that. Yeah, we we love hearing that. And that's something that we kind of hoped for when Steve Nash took the job. And we talked about how Nick Nurse has had so much success being so creative and willing to adjust and especially doing that during the regular season. So when you try it in the postseason, it's not something fresh. It's something you go back to and you have a sample size and you have an experience. Absolutely. Um, he also uh, was talking about Jared Allen. Man, I'm not sure if I'm more angry at this quote or Rudy Gobert's one. He said this, quote, he was pretty good. Come on, Steve, give him some love. Give him some love. That is interesting. I mean, I wonder what the context is. of. I think he's joking. Yeah, I'm yeah, assuming yeah. Steve Nash is probably, you know, thinking about, man, this could make a good TikTok and, and people will probably <laughs> A little put- Steve Nash smirk. He has that like little smirk, you know? He's cute. He's a cute-looking dude. Don't worry about that. We've got one of the cutest coaches in the league. And while I give him uh, a lot of criticism, I still love the man. Um, Steve Nash liked Bruce... And this is, again, Alex Schiffer. Steve Nash liked Bruce Brown's energy and said the hustle plays are what stood out to him the most. He knows now. He knows now what Bruce can do. You must play Bruce. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be harder for him to not play him, especially if they're in a slump or something and they don't have the energy, especially because he's calling him out for having hustle plays. And, like... There's been a limited amount of hustle plays throughout the eight-game stretch this year so far. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Nash said he was never worried about Karasovic's shooting struggles because the playmaking had been there throughout. Is that something that you probably shared a similar sentiment to, Nick? Yeah, because... I said that to you. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I ever said it on the podcast. I said the one thing that Karras did have going for him was he, he was actually probably the best passer in the team throughout the season. I think he probably leads the team in assists. And he's done a nice job. And I think also some of the issue for him was kind of finding that balance of being a passer and being a scorer. And tonight I felt like he was able to be a scorer first instead of a passer. Or maybe some of the other games he was focusing a little bit too much on passing and that was kind of clogging up his vision. Yeah, it's a, yeah, like you sort of mentioned, it was much more instinctual and just feeling the game a lot better because sometimes Karras can be a bit up in his head and try to do too much force shots or force passes and stuff. He just had a lot of composure tonight. Bruce Brown, Nick, I don't know if this is going to end it. We can't love this man anymore, but I think this quote might make you love him. I'm kind of pissed I didn't have a steal today. Oh my God, I can't love you anymore, Bruce. I, I thought he had a steal. I could have sworn he did, but you know what? You know, that's great. It's exactly yeah. what you talked about, Jack. You said 
He's a player in this team that can have an impact without having the basketball and a guy who's hungry to play defense and get steals. I can't recall the last time the Nets had a guy like that. Maybe Rondé had that type of energy, but probably not to that same defensive level. It was more so everything. Reggie Evans on the boards. One of yeah, the rebounding just, wise. Yeah, yeah he just, somebody's face off. Yeah, that's that's what I can remember. <laughs> um, this is kind of cool, a cool little tidbit, Nick. This is all by Alex Schiffer, by the way. Uh, Bruce Brown said Kevin Durant texted the team and said next man up in light of his quarantine. My dude's that's leading tough. behind <laughs> the scenes, man. If you are, if you aren't inspired, if like if I want to get a text from like Kevin Durant, and he said next man up. I'd be so goddamn hyped. Yeah, we know you would be, Jack. You might pee your pants out there. No, <laughs> no, I seriously, I don't know what could be better than that, especially because there's so many young guys on this team that still look up to Kevin Durant as being this great NBA player, and it's still fresh being the teammate. So you kind of get that boost of confidence from your leader. And like we've talked about, that leadership's been on display this year. It's awesome. And I think it's something promising for the team moving forward. It's a small thing. It might mean nothing, but those type of things are something that you know for long-term cohesion and leadership. I mean, yeah, Kevin Durant brought it last game, you know, chatting to Joe, you know, yep. just getting deep into his soul like, you know, a psychologist or therapist would do. Uh, I think that the leadership, you know, there was a lot of worries and chemistry, all this blah, 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 BS, first take kind of crap. None of that's an issue because we know Kevin Durant wants to be there. Kyrie Irving wants to be there. They want to lead this team. They're excited for the journey. And, you know, they're not, they know it's not like, you know, a 20-game sort of thing. We need to be 17-3. and three. They know that what it takes to achieve the highest amount of success and yep. maintaining a level head throughout. And, you know, these four games are an opportunity for a lot of guys like Bruce Brown. And, Nick, this is a, this is a cool kind of quote as well. Asked about starting, Jared Allen said he's usually a pesto when he's pasta type of guy. He this. went with the Alfredo sauce tonight, thinks that made the difference. Nick, before we get to your thoughts on Jared Allen, what are your, are you a pesto dude or are you a more Alfredo dude? Yeah, I actually don't like Alfredo. Oh, right, oh. okay. I like pesto. I like regular, you know, Italian sauce, like regular tomato sauce. But Alfredo, it's not that I don't like the flavor. It usually just gives me a stomach ache being like so cheesy and stuff. So in my honest opinion of just thinking from like the nutrition side, I, I think the opposite. I think Alfredo would be heavier and make you play less effective and pesto would probably be easier to digest. That's just my opinion. Obviously, Jared Allen's 22. His, he doesn't have to obey the rules like we do, Jack. No, it's funny. Like when I used to, whenever I didn't play in sport and, you know, it would be more Aussie football than basketball. I would always go for like a marinara or a, like a yeah. red sauce, you know, before That's the game. That's here of... for two. Like you play, you know, football, high school football, you'll have like a pasta dinner the night before the game with tomato sauce. Carbo load is what they yep. say. But look, Darren Arn's going to have the overloading in dairy and <laughs> Matt Brook has already got a, a pretty cool Alfredo sauce. Um <laughs> Photoshop, check out his timeline. It is absolute fire right now. Um, speaking of Jared Allen, he had a quote on Bruce Brown as well, Nick. Uh, it's been amazing having Bruce in the starting lineup. Credits his defense, but also his passing and a couple of floaters. I think that Jared has uh, pointed out what we have all known about Bruce Brown as not being just this one-dimensional hustle kind of dude. And yes, Steve Nash is right in saying that. That is a part of his game. But he is a good passer. He had, what, five assists or whatever. Yep. And those floaters are a comfortable shot, as you alluded to, that he destroyed the Brooklyn Nets on last season. And if he develops nice chemistry with Jared Allen or DeAndre Jordan, that floater shot becomes so effective because he was so used to running it with Andre Drummond, who is still a good, you know, vertical spacer. But I think Jared Allen's probably better in ter terms of his athleticism. You know what I mean? He can get a little bit higher. He probably has a little bit better uh, target range with that wingspan. Yeah, definitely. Um, Karis Avert says the backcourt of Bruce Brown and Kyrie Irving looked very seamless. He credits Kyrie especially for his communication and leadership on the defensive end of the ball. Did you see that tonight, Nick? Yeah, I think Kyrie was talking out there and kind of dictating what the team needed to do. I, I didn't necessarily pay as much attention defensively, specifically to one guy talking, but I felt like offensively he was pointing the guys and telling them to get in certain spots. So, And that's important. We talked about that, and some of the issues in the previous games was the lack of talking. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I think that Kyrie Irving can over-talk sometimes. You know, he can sort of just get it all out there, and sometimes that's what you need. You know, yep. and I think that's what this Nets team certainly needed tonight, and it did benefit them. Uh, this was Jared Allen on Rudy Gobert, Nick. I want to go out there and try my best. He did go out there and earn that big contract, and I want to prove that I'm on his level. My dude, you are 
greater than that level. You're level four, and Rudy Gobert's still level three trying to catch mushrooms or whatever. No, I think you appreciate, though, in all seriousness, like the drive. Like, yeah. Rudy Gobert is one of the best defensive players in the league. He has a similar skill set to what I have. If I want to get big money and I want to be one of these great players, I have to be better than him. And I was better than him tonight, but I have to do it consistently if I want to truly get that type of money. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, what else have we got here? Karis Vert on the bench unit. I'm definitely comfortable playing with Joe and TLC. Nick, he might have stolen some of this from you. We have a natural synergy. I think they do, and we saw it in the bubble. You know, it was Joe Harris running off screens and TLC, you know, cutting back door. That was some. That was a pretty common occurrence we saw in the bubble. You know what I mean? So I think these guys can work out, and it just provides some cohesion. And it also, I just feel like defenses kind of have to respect them more because they're mo- they're moving parts. They're not standing still. And it, like we kind of talked about, and we talked about some of the struggles, and I alluded to, yeah, Karras is struggling, but I also felt like some of it was the second unit being so stagnant and lacking creation. And Joe doesn't necessarily create with the ball in his hands he creates the ball not in his hands which is such a useful skill for any offense in the nba absolutely and because he can you know make that drive as well that we've sort of talked about as being a skill that a lot of people now do suddenly see of him but yeah absolutely uh, i'm loving that and you know if it you don't change something until it doesn't work so i think that we'd likely see something similar against the philadelphia 76ers couple more nick before we do this too even if joe goes back in the starting lineup i think it's very important to try to stagger his minutes and get him more minutes with that bench unit Yep, totally fair enough. And, you know, whether that's TP getting more minutes with Kyrie Irving, I think that that benefits him in, in a certain way. I feel of like out. he plays the best with Kyrie. Torian he Prince does. just, like, has some vibe with him that brings out the best of him. I don't know what it is, but it just feels that way. I don't know, man. It's like when I podcast with you, Nick, or Corey. It's, it's just a vibe, man. If I podcast yeah. with other dudes, it just ain't there. It just ain't there. But Bruce Brown on playing with Kyrie Irving, and he, he was laughing as he said this. He gone score, man. I just tried to get him the ball. That'll win. And look... You know, if we had have had uh, TLC there as a sort of a, 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 as your sort of fourth or fifth starter, rather than a, a facilitator like a Bruce Brown that knows how to you know dribble the ball up the court, be a secondary sort of ball handler, that might not have happened. We might not have had that absolutely Kyrie Irving explosion. Bruce Brown doesn't need the ball in his hands, you know, to score. He can have the ball in his hands to create for others. And he has an understanding of his role. You know what I mean? I think that's one of the most important things for role players is understanding where you sit on this team and where your skills can help the team. And Bruce Brown gets that. At least he showcased that tonight. Yeah, no, big time, big time, big time. Nick, is there any other stuff you wanted to touch on? I don't think that there's that many more quotes. Yeah, we can just touch on Kevin Durant. Obviously, we got the news yesterday that he'll be in uh, – quarantine due to the nba protocol he did not test positive for covid19 but someone he was in contact with did and what we know right now is a minimum of seven days but steve nash didn't have an exact number for how long he'll be out if it was just a six or seven days like you alluded to jack it'll only be three games what were your thoughts when you saw this yeah look i was initially just worried about his his health and and the health of of the loved ones around him because this disease this it sucks, man, and that's putting it lightly. And it seems to me that there's, whether it's a mentality on it in general, or it's just like, ah, oh, no, it's just COVID, it's just COVID, it's just a common flu. It's just like, no, nah, man, like, this is killing people. Like, people are dying, family members are dying. If you want to see, like, the impact and gravity of, of this virus this year, listen to Carl Anthony Towns and some of his yeah. quotes in the preseason. It's just absolutely killer and you know Kevin Durant's had this and they talk about well he has the antibody so maybe that's why he gets he should be able to go out and stuff it's just like I'd rather play it safe you know like there's some people who are anti this virus and certain players or whatever and that's why they feel they can go out or whatever maybe that's what James Harden's doing but they're doing the right thing by then if it means losing a couple more basketball games I don't necessarily give a shit it's just basketball at the end of the day the, a person's livelihood whether it's Kevin Durant his family members his friends or others and, and, and the world around him and the, the city around him and, and wherever he's living that's what matters man like it, it, it's just a basketball game and this you know if we're looking at it from a basketball perspective there is a chance where it's just like alright now we're getting Bruce Brown now we're getting this next man up mentality there is a way where that can feed team cohesion and chemistry going forward so look it sucks for KD and it sucks because 
was he was balling out. He was playing like the, the best player in the league, and the, the Brooklyn Nets produced a performance like this without their best player, which is absolutely incredible. But now, you know, obviously this gives him maybe if we want to look at it from a poor perspective, you know, he loses some conditioning that he was you know working himself into from an individual basketball perspective. But also he also gets a little bit of time off because he probably would have missed one of these games. You know, there's a back to back coming up with Memphis um, after the Philadelphia game as well. So look. There's, it, it could be worse, Nick. I think the, the, the Someone holistic... could have tested positive on the Nets. You know what I mean? Exactly. They, they could have had a closed facility, like you said, Jack. Hopefully everyone's okay in Kevin Durant's life. And I felt pr- pretty confident that he didn't have it, given he already had it. And I know it's highly unlikely for you to get it again. But like you mentioned, Jack, they don't really know how the virus works. So much as you know, he doesn't test positive, but he could be still be a carrier and infect the rest of the team. And obviously that could essentially ruin the season like it's up to that level than how deadly the virus is and you don't want to infect you know the team for obviously playing basketball games but also for their real life and you don't want anyone to die or have serious uh you know long-term issues from this COVID-19 so it sucks but it could have been a lot worse and uh I and I'm looking at it from the positive side I feel like for two reasons it's good one Kevin Durant's going to rest and it might have been hard to tell him to rest but I honestly feel like it was great because he played at such a high level that you want to like sit him down a little bit and be like, all right, that Achilles isn't used to this high level of basketball, even no matter how long he trained. And like you alluded to, the Nets have been playing so bad and the things that they need, Kevin Durant could help with, but he isn't the guy that should be doing it on this team. So it almost is a blessing in disguise in teaching them how to win the right way without relying on Kyrie and Katie's magic. Yeah, if in a couple of games' time, you know, the defense is locked in a bit more, the rebounding, the turnovers, all these things that have been plaguing the Brooklyn Nets you know, lately in these sort of, you know, really misguided performances. And then you add in a guy who is the best player in the league and is, going, and is the, one of the two, three best players in the league and was going to be the key factor between championship status or non-championship status. And we know that he can provide championship status to this Brooklyn Nets already. That there is no doubt about that. There was doubts heading into the preseason. I think we all had them because we don't know coming off the most serious injury, you know, in any sort of sport. So I think that, yeah, blessing in disguise, like you mentioned to Nick. And, you know, prayers up for prayers and thoughts to Kevin Durant and every other person in this world. Because, you know, I've had some interaction with people on Twitter, Nets fans and such that have, you know, contracted the virus or have family members contracted the virus or had family members who, who, are, who are ill from it or are dying. This thing, is, it's, it's just so big. And I think that we need to maintain that humanity is what matters, Nick, at the end of the day, and not to just lose that humanity. And, and just remember that your fellow person, your fellow man, your fellow woman is out there and they're going through some stuff when COVID especially, you know, is amplifying a lot of these struggles right now. And, um, you know, thoughts and prayers with everyone and hopefully just everyone stay safe and take care of each other. A hundred percent, Jack. And obviously everyone's human. And there's so many different things, like you said, going on through this pandemic from financial things to losing somebody. It, it's just, a, it was a really tough year and hopefully things are heading in the right direction in 2021 and we can put this type of thing behind us. Absolutely. And Nick, I don't want to end on a downer either, but you know, I think there might be some positive election things going on, but we heard today and the the person who shot, so the officer that shot Jacob Blake and made a, a massive wave and impact on basketball circles, causing the Milwaukee Bucks to walk off the court and, and cancel their own game. You know, we heard today that that officer is not going to be charged, despite the fact that Jacob Blake is paralyzed from the waist down. And we heard his father speak to him. It was done that. in front of his children. Yeah, I, 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 I can't. I can't get words out, so I'm gonna. That's why I've got a couple of tweets open to let other people who are much more adept at this sort of speak for me. And this is Jacob Blake's father. He said this: "It's two justice systems. That 17-year-old who killed two people and blew another man's arm off. They give him water and a high five. My son got ICU and paralyzed from the waist down. Can't yeah. say enough, man. Can't yeah. say enough. It's just sickening, and also just like the behavior by some of the people." that supported you know the the kid the 17 year old that shot to he people. got put out on bail like yeah. there was like a million dollar bail and he was just like you know what let's just get this kid out of here his mom drove him down there as an accomplice to, um it's no, just I- disgusting and then in this situation in which everybody saw it was a viral video and i'm not saying jacob blake didn't do anything wrong but at the end of the day, he did not deserve what happened to him. You know what I mean? And you're a police officer, and this has always been my mindset. You are you are putting your, your life on the line. You volunteered to do that. No citizen ever said, I'm putting my life on the line. I'm, I want to die. You know what I mean? Like, if you're a cop, 
that's something that you do and that's something you have to live with. And I'm not saying cops deserve to die, but they should be in danger more than citizens. And that's part of the job. They have the they have the means to take care of themselves a little bit better than someone yep. in the back of a car and with his family and such. I don't know, Nick. You know, we we had a really good win in uh, for the Brooklyn Nets, and thankfully that distracted me a little bit from some of the absolute chaos in the world around us. But nah, uh, this just ain't good enough. It just really isn't. And you know, we talked about you know just the, the lack of humanity that just seems to happen, and um, whether it's in Australia or America or wherever else across the world, you would think that these key pivotal moments, you know, the George Floyd death, the George Floyd murder, sorry, the, the, the a goddamn worldwide pandemic would amplify and bring out the best in humanity. But man, we have seen some of the worst. And thankfully, there are still some good out there and there is still some good. And hopefully from this wreckage comes some, you know, comes a, a new day and, and comes some positivity because the world needs it. And, you know, thoughts and prayers and, and, and just love, love to to Jacob Blake, his family, everyone who is associated, the, the NBA world um, and, and just everyone. Let, like, let's just, let's just think about our, our fellow man, our fellow woman. You know, people are going through some shit out there, whether it's something as serious as Jacob Blake and his family or whether it's someone, you know, just going through it. And um, it seems to me that we're not doing that enough. And thankfully we have a basketball podcast, which provides a distraction and a way to connect with people um, which is always fun, but there are some things bigger than that, and we had to sort of discuss this because um, we have a platform, and if we are given a platform, whether it's on this or the outlet or JBT, um, and people uh, are kind enough to choose to listen to us, um, then we are going to speak about some things that might make some people yeah, uncomfortable. Yeah, we have to do our part. If we're lucky yeah. enough to have this opportunity, we have to do our part in making sure that the correct message is heard and that this type of thing just doesn't get swept under the rug. Absolutely. And look, if it's something you don't agree with, then I'll subscribe, please, because uh, we don't want uh, the people listening to us that don't share the same sentiments on, on humanity in general. That's what it is. It's humanity. Um, it's a moral and, and, thing. And morals. Um, and it's a moral compass. It's it's an empathy sort of thing that I think has been lost uh, quite a bit in, in 2020 and, and the start of 2021 now. But yeah, that, and we'll get back to that stuff going forward. And, you know, we, we, did you want to chat a little bit about the Sixers game, Nick? Yeah, we could just mention it, how it's going to be a great test for Jared Allen going against Joel Embiid. And also just the Sixers maybe have been the best team in the NBA to start the season. Absolutely. I think that they're going to be another massive test for the Brooklyn Nets when you don't have your best player as well. But, you know, you, you're taking in some momentum. We chat a little bit in the dance, like, what's going to happen? Are we going to see, like, a letdown from the Brooklyn Nets or can we see some consistency? You know, I think it could go one of two ways and hopefully that this is the impetus for, you know, a little mini, mini winning streak. So, you know, it's going to be a fascinating performance. It's going to be on national TV. This is the biggest game in the, of the Brooklyn Nets short season so far. Um, and I'm hoping for, for another performance that we saw tonight. Yeah, I agree, Jack, and I think it's going to be a good test, a good opportunity, guys, to showcase the real. And I think it's also a good test for Philadelphia because they haven't necessarily played a ton of great teams either. So kind of see what they're made of. And it's also going to be the Nets' first test against an elite offensive big. You know, John Collins is good, but his game isn't the same level of Joel Embiid where you're game planning to stop Joel Embiid. And it's going to be the first time they see this new-look Sixer squad who play basketball the way it's supposed to be played. Yeah, it's going to be a, a really fascinating matchup. One of the the, the the key highlights of the season so far. And yeah, Could it's be going to be a conference good one. finals preview. Obviously, Kevin Durant will be there the next time, but <laughs> absolutely. And you know, there's you know, it's going to be intriguing. Many different things to to look at it. And it's still early days, but you know, a, a big matchup for both teams. One hundred percent, Jack. Anything else before we get out of here? Just. Just love, guys. Love. Think about each other. Show Spread that empathy. love. It's the Brooklyn way. Spread love. It is the Brooklyn way. Listen to the goddamn icon himself. So, yeah, that's what it's about. You know, the times are tough, and times are tough for, for all of us in, in some way or another. And to everyone that is listening and choosing to spend their time to listen to us and, and hear what we have to say about these issues, yeah, you know, two white dudes speaking about some things that are just way beyond us. You know, might not matter, but again, we have a, a semblance of a platform. We want to choose to use that platform to spread a message that is beyond just, you know, the X's and O's and Bruce Brown not playing and rebounding issues. Sometimes there's a time and a place and we've done it in the past and we're going to continue to do it going forward. And hopefully we see, we can talk about some more positive things like Kyrie Irving's absolutely amazing altruism that he's shown in the past and some more positive news in that regard rather than the goddamn shit show that, you know, the past sort of couple of weeks have been. 100% Jack. Couldn't have said it better myself. As always, we appreciate everybody listening and you can find us on all streaming platforms. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.